0: the sound of one hand clapping, that's exactly right. And a couple of weeks ago, different to this, it's important for us to be believers, as believers to be obedient and to be baptised. The next step is for those who have been baptised to become members, to belong to his church. And a couple of young guys, Sam's not here tonight, is he? Is he working? He has been here for a few Sunday nights. He's working hard, isn't he? I gave Sam his certificate so you know he's safe, safe and secure, but I'd like to do it publicly. But Joel Lowe's here tonight. Where's Joel? Joel has taken that step. He's believed, he's become baptized, and now he also wants to declare that he wants to belong to this church. I'll come down to you, don't you come up to me? That's what pastors do. Mm. <laughs> Welcome into the membership of our church. <laughs> I want to pray for Ryan. I want to pray for Joel. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you're the God who is at work in our world. We want to join with you in transforming people into passionate followers of Jesus. Thank you for Ryan. Thank you, Lord, for him taking the next step of obedience in terms of baptism. And we pray that you would bless him, fill him with your spirit, and use him as your witness. And, Lord, we thank you for Joel and for Sam. And we thank you that they've come to the point of wanting to step up and say, I want to belong to the local church. I want to be involved, I want to be committed and I want to be accountable. Lord, we thank you for these young guys, the influence they're having on others. We pray likewise you'll fill them with your spirit, that you use their gifts to serve the Lord Jesus, to extend his kingdom, bring honour to his name. Lord, thanks for Joel and Sam. We commit him, them to you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Yes, you may. I'll use the stairs to get back up. (laughs) This passage tonight is a wonderful story. I love the Gospel of Matthew. This is a story of a guy who is not a Jewish person. He's a Gentile. He's an outsider who's got a need. The passage says that he came to the Lord Jesus when he was in his uh, hometown, Capernaum. Jesus had been born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, but when he entered public life, ministry, he moved to Capernaum. And Capernaum became his local base for quite a while. And this Roman centurion, out of obviously observation of Jesus, came to him saying, Lord, my servant is sick. He's lying at home. He's paralysed. Can you do something? Obviously some things had gone on beforehand in him, terms of his thinking process. And Jesus' response is, I'll come and heal him. His response is incredible. And that's what we want to focus upon tonight. The centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Instead, just say the word and my servant will be healed. All you've got to do is just say it and that happens. Um, for I too, I understand. I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers, he's a centurion, there's a hundred soldiers under him. And I say to this one, Go. He obeys. He goes. Say to this one, come, and he comes. Not just soldiers. I say to my slave, do this. And he does it. I understand that those in authority, when they say something, it happens. And he obviously recognises Jesus is somebody in authority. Lord, all you have to do is say the word be healed. It'll happen. Verse 10 When Jesus heard this he was amazed astonished shocked and he said to those who followed him that's the disciples I tell you the truth I haven't found such faith in anyone in Israel. Not even you guys believe like he does incredible. And then Jesus goes on to say I tell you the truth many will come from east and west and will sit down at the banquet with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom those you thought would get in, they'll be thrown out into the outer darkness. They'll be excluded and they'll experience weeping and gnashing his teeth. Then Jesus turned to the centurion and said, Go, just as you have believed, it will be done for you. Sure enough, at that hour, the servant was healed. How about before we go any further, we just pray and ask the Lord to help us with this passage. Let's pray. Father, so your word is trustworthy. And the psalmist declares that your word brings light, wisdom, truth to the simple. Lord, when it comes to spiritual truth, we're simple. So we ask that you might enlighten us here tonight out of the truth of this portion of your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In this significant passage the key I think is verse 11, that when Jesus encounters this centurion who's desiring physical presence change, restoration to his servants the Lord Jesus not only deals with the present, but his mindset is future. The Lord Jesus in fact is training his twelve disciples in Matthew 8 and 9 he's preparing them with lots of not in teaching but also examples, before he sends them out. And it's almost like in this passage he is saying, you can expect responses from unlikely sources. In fact, verse 11, the Lord Jesus has this future focus on the Kingdom of God. I tell you the truth, many will come from the East and West and share the banquet. The banquet is on the Lord Jesus' mind when he's talking to this centurion and to his disciples. Many will come from east and west and share in the banquet with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. What's this banquet that Jesus is talking about? Well, we we understand it. If you have spiritual understanding, and many of you do, it's heaven. That's what he's talking about. He uses this phrase of the banquet. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah and Simone's going to flash that up for us, Isaiah 25, verses 6 to 9, that's where the prophet is talking about the banquet, the banquet that is coming in the future. The prophet says, verse 6, uh, the Lord of hosts will hold a banquet for all of the nations on this mountain. At this banquet there will be plenty of meat and aged wine, tender meat and choicest wine. On this mountain... He will swallow up the shroud that is over all the peoples, the woven covering that is over all the nations. He will swallow up death permanently. The Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from every face and remove his people's disgrace from all of the earth. Indeed, the Lord has said it, announced it. At this time they will say, look, he is our God. We waited for him and he has delivered us. He is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and celebrate his deliverance the prophet is looking ahead to this same banquet that Jesus is talking about. Isaiah talks about a banquet where he says, God is the host, verse 6. The Lord, who, the Lord of hosts will hold a banquet. He's the host. He's going to have this huge party. And it's going to be a party, verse 7, where it is limitless in terms of supply, choicest wines, abundant meat. It's going to be endless. It's going to go on and on and on. It's going to be a wonderful time. It's going to be a, an, a, a, a banquet where death itself, the shroud that covers humankind, that's the shroud of death, is going to be removed. Death and decay will be gone. There will be no more tears, no more weeping. Disgrace will be removed. The Lord is the host. He invites people to this banquet that he's going to hold who is on the guest list? Verse 9 tells us. Those who waited for him. Those who trusted in him. Those who um, believe in him. It's in the future. It's still coming. The Lord Jesus is about to conduct one of his many miracles. He's about to heal this centurion servant. And it's possible that the centurion maybe was thinking that here, is, here it is, right here and now. It's prosperity all the good stuff, right here, right now. But the Lord Jesus has this future focus. It's a good reminder for us. It's a future focus. There is this future kingdom which is coming. This passage tells us that some people are going to make it in and some people aren't. There is the faith of the centurion And there are many, like him, who will make it in. But also, there is the failure of some who won't make it. Let me talk about that. Firstly, there is this great faith of this centurion, which the Lord Jesus uses to teach the truth of who will be there, who will be at this great banquet which is coming in the future, who is on the guest list, who is on the seeding plan who isn't can we know or do you have to die and then find out no you can know now this faith of a centurion is the indicator for us and it's the Lord Jesus' response to this centurion which we are to note the Lord Jesus was amazed astonished didn't expect it twice in fact in the Gospels we're told that Jesus was amazed at us at people usually in the Gospels it's people who are amazed at him, amazed at his teaching, amazed at his healing amazed at giving the blind sight, raising the dead just astonished at him twice he is astonished at people here is one of them he is astonished at this centurion that he has such a simple but deep and profound understanding of faith. Astonished. I haven't found anybody who gets it like this guy, Jesus says. The other reference is in Mark chapter 6 where Jesus in his hometown, Nazareth, went to his own local church, the synagogue, stood up and taught and they didn't believe. They were a bit resistant. Non-responsive. And the passage says that he was astonished at their unbelief. How come you of all guys don't get it? You know me. You know who I am. And yet you don't get it. And he was astonished. And the passage says that therefore he couldn't do many marvellous works because of their unbelief. Twice in the Gospel. Jesus is astonished. Well, Jesus says in this passage that he's astonished at the centurion and then he says, verse 11, there are going to be many others like him. Many. Come from east and west. And they'll be in the kingdom. This centurion is a wonderful example to us because he's not from the right family tree. He's not Jewish. He's Gentile. He doesn't have the right religious practices. He's not Baptist. He's Roman. It's not about family trees, it's not about genealogies, and it's not about denominations, and it's not about religious practices. It's about faith in Jesus, which is what Ryan has demonstrated for us tonight. Raised in a Christian family, great privilege, but meaningless unless you embrace it for yourself. You have to own it personally. Well, this Roman centurion certainly had done that, even though he was an outsided Outsider. His great faith is what got him in. Now it's his faith in Jesus, which is worth noting, because there's the model for us, and it's the model for these disciples, Him, Jesus, is training for them to be a look at. Faith is not something that you drum up, talk yourself into. It's not. Close your eyes. I believe. I believe. I believe. It's not talking yourself into it. That's not safe. Faith is not kissing your brains goodbye. It's not abandoning all reason or not questioning or not being honest with your doubts. That's not safe. It's not forcing yourself to believe impossible things. Who was it? Lewis Carroll? Um, through the Looking Glass? Is that the name of it? Alice in Wonderland? There was a conversation with the Queen of Hearts. Um, where well the Queen of Hearts makes this statement, I'm 101 years old, five months and one day. To which Alice says, I can't believe that. The Queen says, can't you? Well, take a deep breath, close your eyes, really try. And Alice says, there's no use trying. You can't believe impossible things. To which the Queen says, I dare say you haven't had much practice. When I was your age, I used to believe in six impossible things before breakfast. That's some people's understanding of faith. That's something that you work up, talk yourself into. Even though you think it's not going to happen, you talk to yourself, you convince yourself it's going to happen. I could illustrate that very personally and rather tragically in my own life, I'm not going to, where... You put aside all questions and doubts and you just keep saying, I believe, I believe. And when you start to doubt, no, I believe, I believe. And you try to talk yourself into it and it doesn't work. That's foolishness. That's not what the Bible talks about when it talks about faith. Faith is this centurion here, which is illustrated for us rather wonderfully, is he doesn't abandon reason. He rather is thinking very carefully about. He has observed the Lord Jesus. And he has drawn certain conclusions. He has faced the facts. He's opened his eyes. He has thought it through. And he acknowledged who Jesus is as a result of that. You see, he takes God at his word, which is ultimately what faith is. Faith is saying, taking somebody at their word. It's not something within. It's something which is directed without. It's, I believe him, or I believe her I believe them because they're a person of integrity they're a person of faith they're a person of consistency I trust them not something in here I used to illustrate that and I can't do it tonight I used to have a dollar coin in my pocket and I used to say to kids particularly and I thought about doing it with a hundred dollar bill tonight and for various selfish reasons I decided not to bring the hundred dollar bill but I'd have the dollar in my pocket and I would say to the kids, whichever is the first one to come out and to say to me, I believe that you will give me the dollar. Then I would give it to them and I'd ask the kids to do it. And of course they wouldn't move. Then eventually some brave kid would. Well, I do that two or three times. I did it in this church for two or three times. By about the third time, you'd have the kids moving before I finished the sentences. You see, I believe. One time in a previous church, I was very, very naughty. I had a kid come out and I didn't have a dollar in my pocket. And I said, see, you can't trust people. But you can trust God. Which wasn't a great illustration at the end of the day. No. But see, you either believe me or you don't. You either believe God or you don't, based upon his character and his behaviour. He is either consistent and trustworthy or he isn't. That's where the Roman centurion is. He's watched Jesus. He has observed. So he's come to the point of trusting, of believing. That's what faith is. Faith is taking God at his word, looking outside yourself. He is convinced of Jesus' authority and that's how he talks about it. He's looked at the facts. Well, verse 11 tells us those who are going to be there, many will come from east and west, outside the Jewish kingdom, outside the Jewish nation. Many. Just like the centurion. Because they, like him, will believe. They will take God at his word. And they will sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. No surprise, they're going to be there. They're the fathers of the faith, patriarchs. They're going to be there. And people like them are going to be there. So the question is, do you have faith? And I need to go on to talk about the great failure of those who won't be there. Verse 12, the Lord Jesus does this. He says, but the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out to outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The sons of the kingdom. The great failure of those who should have got it. Those who were raised in an environment where God's revelation was available but they didn't get it. They refused to act like the centurion. They didn't face the facts. They didn't open their eyes. They didn't think it through. They didn't acknowledge his kingship or his authority. And as a result, they're excluded. And because they're excluded, they will experience deep remorse, regrets, anguish. Question, therefore, tonight for us is, are you ready for the future? Are you ready for this banquet which Jesus spoke about, which is coming? Are you ready? Everybody's invited and it's a choice. That's the purpose of these five chairs. You're in one of these chairs. This chair represents a person who's like an atheist. A person who says, I don't believe in God, I'm not interested in Jesus. Um, did Jesus rise from the dead? I don't care, I don't believe it, not interested. That's this person. Not sure if you're there. This chair. It's the person who says, yeah, I believe. I believe there's a God. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Yep. But they don't obey. Turn up at church, sing the hymns. but They're not obedient to the Lord Jesus. They don't obey his commands or instructions. They haven't been baptized. They don't read the Bible. They don't live consistently at home. They don't love their wife or their husband. They're not good with their kids. But they say they believe. But their life doesn't show it. The Lord Jesus says, Matthew chapter 7, that many people will say to him on the last day when they appear before him, Lord, in your name we perform these religious activities. And Jesus will say, I don't know who you are. I don't know you people who clearly don't believe and they say so, people who say they believe but don't live so. But then there are people over here, and there is a gap. There is a difference. Sometimes the difference in behaviour and outward look can sometimes be pretty similar, but spiritually there is a significant difference. This is a person who is a believer, perhaps a new believer, just become a follower of the Lord Jesus, still has some of the old habits in their life, still has wrestles and struggles and so on, a new believer, This is a growing believer, this is a mature believer. These are the believers. They say, Jesus is Lord, we trust him. They've invited him to forgive them for their sins. They're like the centurion who says, I don't understand it all, but I trust you. These guys are going to the banquet. These guys are included. These guys endeavour to follow and to obey. Nobody does it perfectly. Not the new believers, not the growing believers, not the mature believers. We all stumble. That's why it pray, the Lord Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer to pray daily. Forgive us for our sins. Daily. We're not perfect, but we are forgiven. We are accepted. Because here there is a crossing line. And these people have stood over that line like the centurion. They have said... I understand, I acknowledge that you are Lord, I submit to you, I ask you to forgive me for my sins, I intend and I will obey you. Best I can. None of us do it perfectly. But as best I can. That's the orientation. I am aimed that way towards obedience. This person says, I love you Lord, and I have no intentions of doing what you want me to do. It's a very clear difference, isn't it? But to us, looking on for these people, sometimes we can't tell the difference. Sometimes we can't tell the difference between somebody who says, I love God, I go to church, I obey, I do. So we're not to be judgmental, to be loving but I'm telling you about these five different chairs because I wonder which chair you're sitting in and the Lord certainly wants you to be in one of these chairs not those two he wants you to move and to move to the right your right to become a follower a believer like the centurion that's what it's all about that's why Jesus came that's why we have this service to proclaim the truth of who Jesus is. Are you ready for the future? Will you be for the future? Will you be ready? Will you be at the feast that God is going to spread? Because only those in feast chairs are going to get in. Do you want in? Will you can. Not by closing your eyes, not by talking yourself into it, but by opening your eyes considering the evidence, thinking carefully, understanding who Jesus is and responding accordingly. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus came into our world to demonstrate the reality of what God is like. And that through Jesus, when people open their eyes, when people think carefully about who he is, what he did, what he said, it becomes pretty clear that you're real and that you're true and that you are trustworthy and that we have serious issues that have to be dealt with. Lord, help us tonight to do business with you, to make sure that we are in one of these three chairs to the right. Whether just beginning, or whether growing, or whether having followed you for years, we want to be at the banquet. Lord, help anybody who is here tonight who might be in chairs one or two. Help them to think have an open mind, to open their eyes and to consider the truth. Convict them by your spirit. Help them to engage in honest conversations. And Lord Jesus, just like you used this story, this incident to train your disciples then, so use us to reach out to folk so that many people from east and west might be in the banquet. Thank you again tonight, Lord, for the wonderful experience of Ryan and his baptism. And we pray that you might likewise be very pleased with us and our obedience, our faith and trust in you. We pray in your name. Amen.